Hey, Mountain. Good to see everybody. Welcome. Joining us from all our campuses or online. Really glad you're here. Want to begin with something really cool to celebrate. Uh, as you know, Mountain is a very blessed church. As we sometimes like to say, we're stinking blessed. Just because we just have health and we have growth and we have new life change happening all the time around here. And we're very, very blessed. And a, and a good part of that is in, due to this initiative that we rallied together and began a year ago where we just said, God, you've been so gracious to us, unleashing love to us. Help us to pull everyone together to unleash more love and more prayers and more ministry and more generosity into your work and whatever you'd call us to do here, there, and everywhere. And it's been, Unleash Love has been really, really great for us. It's seen a lot of really good things happen. We've seen a lot of spiritual growth, a lot of great stories and faith steps. I know it's been really important for Carla and me personally, just particularly the, the financial generosity part of it. It's been a real focus and, and a faith stretcher for us. And we've just seen uh, so many cool stories come as a result. And as a church, we've been able to do all these cool things, which I, we've kind of talked about the last few weeks, the relaunch of the Bel Air campus, the launch of the Avenue campus, all this good stuff. We're refugees and new programming and stuff for kids and all this great stuff. So we're so glad for that. And also really gratified to see new people as they have come on uh, here uh, in, in the last year uh, join us in this, in this effort and particularly be willing to show that you believe also, like we do, that... Uh, Financial generosity is a part of our commitment to Christ and a way that we can not only extend our mission, but it's a way to make authentic our faith. So I just wanted to share, you know, as we kind of put it to rest, we, we mark this one-year mark. We have one more year to go with all this amazing stuff God's calling us to do. I want to just give you an update on things so you knew so, uh, where, we, where we stood on things. Um, hundreds of mountain people have stepped up and said, we're going to finish our commitment, finish strong, and we're really, really grateful and excited about that. Many more have said that they're going to uh, increase um, their giving uh, to uh, Unleash Love over the next year. And then what's probably most exciting to me is that 840 uh, people, new, made brand new commitments to Unleash Love. And you add all that up, and it's an increase in commitments of about $700,000, which is going to go into God's work through Mountain. I think that's awesome. It's fantastic. So, some of you remember at the beginning of this thing, one more thing, and we'll kind of be done here, but um, you remember uh, we began uh, Unleash Love, uh, before we had Unleash Love, Mountain was giving about $8 million a year to be put into ministry uh, in that way. We said, what if we took that two years, that's 16, and instead of 16, could stretch that and expand it and see God do even more with it? What could that look like? And that's what Unleash Love has done, is taken that 16 and stretch that number into $23.9 million to be used for unleashing love here, there, and everywhere at Mountain. So that's fantastic. So our job is to just honestly, as a church and as leadership, just be humble, be hungry, and stay focused on Christ and His purposes for the use of all of our gifts and our generosity. And if we do that, I, I think there's no telling what God's going to do. Uh, I'm really excited. Can't wait to see it. So let's get on with it. And if you're new here and you have not yet jumped in, there's a card in front of you. Sign it so you can be part of the journey and part of what we're doing. We're, we'll be glad to welcome you. Okay, so that's it. So that's really good news. Is that good news? I feel like it's really good news. So I'm happy to share that. And uh, let's pray, and then we'll jump into um, a message for today. Okay, will you just... Join me in, in praying be, to begin here. Lord, you have been uh, so faithful in the way that you have unleashed extravagant amounts of love toward us and on us and into our lives. We pray that you will help us to be faithful also as we unleash love in whatever ways you call us to. 
And now open our eyes to see whatever light from you uh, is here today. Penetrate dark places with your light, the light of your word, we pray. Amen. There's a new Netflix series called Dark. Uh, It's a German series, and listen to what one critic says as he describes what this series is. A great deal of the new 10-episode season takes place in dim rooms and unlit garages, in an ominously oppressive forest and in a shadowy cave or under sickly faltering lighting that suggests a kind of heavy moral decay falling over the world. The series is conceptually dark, full of cheating spouses, ugly secrets, grotesque killings, and dead birds falling from the sky in a hail of limp, twisted bodies. It's also filmed in darkness, meant to be watched late at night with the lights off, experienced like a ghost story around a campfire that's burning down to its final embers. Dark. The sick thing is, some of you people are like, what's the name of that again? I want to write that down. I'm sure to see that. It's not just a Netflix series. That sort of dark, ominous, foreboding sense is something that also I think we can all agree is more and more seems like is describing the world and even some of our own hearts as we're part of it, right? We talked last week about, you know, just look at the world with, with, with the shootings and hurricanes and refugees, sex scandals. And so the dark is pervasive. It's, it's everywhere. And it leaves us kind of wanting to say with the psalmist, Psalm chapter 4, verse 6, just God... Give us more light. You ever feel like that? Just, God, I need more light in my life, in my heart, in, our, in the way we look at the world, in our family, in our nation. Do you ever feel that way? God, send the light of your face to shine on us. So this series is called Light. And uh, we're going to focus on light, and it fits perfectly for Christmas, doesn't it? Because Christmas is really the story of how God took his lightsaber and penetrated the dark veil that covered this planet with his son, Jesus Christ. How did Isaiah say it in chapter 9? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On the people living in a land of darkness, a light has dawned. And that's the good news that we have to share. So we began in Genesis with the creation of everything, Uh, reminding ourselves of how everything begins. And, of course, the Scriptures say there in Genesis 1 and 2 that that there was darkness everywhere and a swirling mass of chaotic confusion and nothingness, emptiness. The word in Hebrew, remember, was tohu vavohu. And in that swirling mass of nothingness, God speaks and says what? Let there be light, and there was light, and beauty and creation and order. And, of course, the reminder from last week is that God still does that. God's Spirit still hovers in the darkness of our lives and still wishes to bring order and beauty, even out of the worst chaotic messes that we find ourselves in. There's a new beginning for each of us, and God wants to shape us in the darkness so that we can then be a help to others. This week, what we want to do is see that every person, meaning you and me and all of us, each of us, has a decision to make about the light. We have a decision to make about the light, about Jesus, ultimately, the one who said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever 
follows me will never walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever actually follows Jesus is the one who's walking in the light. Notice, there apparently is such a thing as walking in darkness. But following Jesus is making a decision to walk in the light. So the question before you is, are you, would it be true of you to, to describe you as a person who is walking in the light? Following Jesus in such a way that that would be a true description of your life, walking in the light. Not just, do you know that God sent a light? No, that's not the question. The question is not whether you acknowledge there is such a thing as light or that you believe Jesus is the light. Those aren't the questions. The question is, are you walking in the light? Jesus doesn't say, whoever comes from a family or a nation that considers itself Christian will never walk in darkness. Doesn't say, whoever goes to church once in a while will never walk in darkness. Jesus doesn't say, whoever drops a coin in the little uh, thing at Walmart for Salvation Army will never walk in darkness. What he says is, those who truly follow Jesus walk in the light and won't walk in darkness. So that's a choice, and that's why Isaiah puts it this way too, is chapter 2. It's an invitation. Come, say yes, let us walk in the light. There's your invitation decision to make. Walk in the light. you got to make a decision because there is such a thing as a kingdom of darkness and a prince of darkness, a, a, an enemy of the light who is in fact at work to bring darkness to the world and to your life and to your mind and to your heart, darkness to your family to your marriage, to the entertainment industry, to government, to politics, to our schools, to our world. Darkness, even to the beautiful things of light and goodness, the gifts that God has given us, the beautiful, lovely, pure, lovely things that God has given. He wants to bring darkness to those, so like even sexuality will be dark, or something as good as food can be dark, or relationships can be dark. When this prince of darkness has sway. That's why Ephesians 6 says we've got to put on the armor of God to stand against darkness because our struggle isn't with flesh and blood, the Bible says. It's against very real principalities and powers in this dark world who are always wanting to lead us away from the light and the purity and the goodness and the life and the light and the grace and the hope and the peace and the loveliness that is God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. So the question is, are you walking in the light? That's the question. So let's talk about two critical changes that God wants to see continually happen in every one of our lives. Two critical changes that can happen in your life, can happen, in fact, they're expected and they will happen on an ongoing basis in every single one of our lives if you would be the one who would say, I want more light. Lord, send us your light. I want to walk in the light. I want to follow Jesus. If you say that, two critical changes. Here's number one. When you walk in the light, God wants to see and will help you make a real change in the way you act. A real change in the way you act. See, because walking in the light results in a change in behavior. Um, 
actual things that you do will be different. Um, conduct, lifestyle, actions will be different when we walk in the light. I think a lot of people, a lot of people get this screwed up because we, we think of Christianity as some sort of private affair with Jesus, sort of like a spiritual floaty thing in the realm of spirituality that doesn't really connect with daily life, and it's just not true at all. And in fact... When you walk in the light, it means you're going to be drawn in a certain direction toward that light, away from what the Bible calls deeds of darkness. There will be things that you will say no to and yes to precisely because and only because you follow Jesus. And this, the spirit of truth and light speaks to your mind and your conscience and, and, and alerts you to things. Like little, the Holy Spirit's like a little a circuit that goes off and says, oh, man, maybe I need to change. The Bible's word for that is repentance, where you literally change your path or your direction. You want to walk in the light, it'll change the way you act. I love Ephesians 5. It kind of helps spell out what some of this looks like in daily life. Ephesians chapter 5, look at a few verses there. Here's how it begins in verse 1. Imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. That's what you are. So this is speaking to people who have said yes to Jesus who've accepted the light into their lives, and, and it's saying, here's what you do. You imitate God in everything you do, actions, because you are his children. Live a life filled with love. That means you're going to follow the example of Christ, who, and then he tells us what that looks like. Well, he loved us. He saved. He gave himself up for us. He, he, it was a sacrifice. In other words, you've been declared a child of God. Now act like it. Not, if you act enough like a godly person, then Jesus will love you. And No, no, no. It's precisely because he's already loved you. He's declared you a child of God. Now act like it. Bear the family resemblance, will you? Walk like a child of light. And then Paul goes on to say, if you're serious about this, it will affect how you act in every way and every day. And he goes on to say, you know, there, there's some... Uh, Behaviors and things, he, listens, he talks about immorality and impurity and greed. He says that kind of stuff, it just doesn't fit with God's children of light. There has to be change. He says, think about your actions. And, and he goes on to say that there's things that characterize those who walk in darkness. And you all know what they are. And he lists them here. Go look in the Bible. He talks about lust and filthy practices, bullying, greed. He says, some tongues just love the taste of gossip and spreading lies or innuendo or shameful secrets. Dirty, stupid, obscene talking doesn't fit our lifestyle as children of light. So think about what you choose to talk about, what you choose to listen to, where your mind dwells. Keep yourself pure, where your eyes go, because walking in the light will change how you act. Verse 7 goes on to say, don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness like that, but now you have light from the Lord. So then live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. I love that. It's a great way to check up on yourself. Just like, does that describe your life? You, you're focused on what's good, the good stuff, what's right, righteous, and true. That's how you live as a child of light. You are a child of light. Now act like it. That's what a Christian's call is. It'll change the way you act. Um, there's a Barna study 
that kind of did this massive research project that kind of is discouraging and disappointing, should be probably to all of us. He surveyed a whole boatload of people, a whole bunch of them who said, yeah, I'm a Christian, and a whole bunch who said, nah, not at all. And they asked him all kinds of questions about their lifestyle and things that they did and didn't do. And I get real nervous about people who like to make lists of things that are sort of Christian behaviors, things you're supposed to do and not do. I get real nervous around that kind of thing. But the list of things they were talking about, they had 19 practices that almost everybody would agree. Yeah, those are things that you'd hope Christians would do. And the sad thing about the the results of the survey was that the difference between those who were Christ followers and those who said, I'm not a Christ follower, is almost indistinguishable. One of the results of the study said the ultimate aim of belief in Jesus is not simply about what you believe, but to become a transformed person. These statistics highlight the fact that millions of people who claim to follow Jesus and rely on him for their eternal destiny have problems translating their religious beliefs into action beyond Sunday morning. And so... The results show the moral behaviors were not much different. Pretty much same divorce rates, same rates of click-ins through sexually explicit materials and websites, same incidences of lying or saying something purposely to hurt or offend someone or pursuing self-indulgent behaviors. One would expect people who walk in the light to be light. Sometimes I think we've just forgotten that Jesus is a pretty radical change in our life. The Bible describes it as a difference between day and night, darkness and light. So here's the principle. If Christ has changed your condition, it's supposed to change your conduct. The condition is you've been made a child of the king, a child of God, a child of light. Now live like it. Demonstrate that. Don't try to demonstrate it so you can become a child of light and child of king. No, it's what you are. Now show it. And folks, I just, I just get the feeling this is really important. Not just so that we ourselves can, can more fully experience the lightness of life and the joyful way it is with God, but I think it's important also because a lot of people are watching right now. There's a growing cynicism toward Christianity, don't you believe? A growing skepticism, and our neighbors are watching, and they're negative reviews on Christianity, I don't think are really about Jesus. I think they're about the people who wear that name Christian sometimes. It reminds me of what Gandhi said one time, that Hindu leader who said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Hmm. Ouch. I think there's a lot of people watching us, those who wear the name of Christ, and they're paying attention to what we do and how we act, how we behave on Facebook. They notice the way we do business, the way we compete, the way we handle the books. They notice how we hire or fire. They notice how we close a sale. They notice how we deal with conflict and how we act in line when we're impatient, the way we vote the way we spend our money, and how we treat people. They notice whether we look like Jesus in the way we treat the poor or the suffering or those who are victims of injustice 
and darkness. So I think all of it matters how we act. And, and none of us is even close to perfect. Only Jesus is the light. But our job is to, 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 is to walk in that light in such a way that it will draw people rather than repulse them. To walk in the light, live in the light, point to Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What, what's a change in your life that you think might need to happen so that you could more fully walk in the light? Like what's a change in your activity or behavior? Be really specific because that's where the battle is won. What's a, what's a change? What's an action that you believe God would change in your life right now? It might be something simple like text messaging, the way you do it or who you're doing it with, or private chatting, or some other behavior like that. What's, a, what's something that God would want to change so you could more fully walk in the light? Maybe it's, maybe it's the way you talk. Maybe it's at home, just the way you're acting toward your spouse or your parents or your kid. Maybe it's relationship with friends, and some friends just have a certain way of dragging you more into what you know is darkness, and you need to monitor that. Maybe it's about priorities with your time or the way you're spending your money or investing leisure activity or the attention you're giving or not giving to spiritual practices that will, you know will lead you to the light. What is it? Just one thing. Pick one. If you want to walk in the light, after all that Jesus has done, find something we can do out of gratitude. I'll, I'll tell you one that's been kind of convicting me. Maybe it's a shoe that will fit someone else as well. It has to do with what we view, what we choose to view. My mom used to say, be careful, little eyes, what you see. It used to be that networks themselves were kind of governed by a, a sort of moral filter. There was some restraint out there that collectively as a public, we, we agreed uh, would kind of filter some things that were agreed were raunchy or debased or too grotesque or too risque or too explicit. To, to be viewed publicly, but those days are long gone, and now we live in the age of shock where, in fact, the greater degrees of vulgarity and profanity and promiscuity, uh, uh, the better, it seems. So all governors are off. So that just means that if you're serious about wanting to walk in the light, then, then you're going to have to use discernment on your own. You're going to have to self-lead yourself and show discipline in what you choose to watch, the shows and the series and the video games and the websites and the videos and, and on YouTube and whatnot. Be, because if we repeatedly fill our minds and hearts with images, ideas, concepts, and, and scenarios that are impure and stories that uphold, celebrate, and seem to condone or make commonplace values and practices that are really more in alignment with the kingdom of darkness than they are the kingdom of light, then we can't really act surprised when we look, act, talk, walk, feel, and seem to all the world like we are part of the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of light. Am I making sense? I could have summarized the whole thing by just saying garbage in, garbage out. And we're not called to walk in the garbage. So that's convicting to me because it takes a lot more diligence than it used to if we're serious about it. What about you? What's an action that you could take? 
so you could have a better shot at walking in the light and all the joy and light that comes with that. Hey, you know, what's even more important perhaps, or actually they're both equally important, is not just the kind of change God wants to see in your life and help make happen on a continual basis in your life by changing the way you act. God wants to see a real change in who you are. Not just how you act on the outside, but who you are, like the real you at the core, behind the facade and the mask and the roles that we play in society. Like the real you down deep, that's where light can come and help change us in beautiful ways. What's the old saying? Character is who you are when no one's looking. Character is who you are in the dark. And light has a way of exposing that in a way that can bring healing and goodness to those places. I think this is another mistake that a lot of people get about Christianity. They think Christianity is like, okay, I'm going to be Christian. I've got to act like one, so I guess I'll start doing a few things, but it really doesn't affect who they are at core. That's the problem with only trying to change behavior on the outside. If we're still kind of filled with darkness on the inside, Jesus actually saved some of his harshest criticism for people like that that acted religious on the outside, but inside he said we're filled with dead men's bones like he described a dark grave inside our hearts. So I got to thinking this week and talking with some of the physicians here at Mountain who go to this church about how light and medicine have such a great connection. And they were reminding me, you know, it's like surgery has been revolutionized. How? With light. When we finally got light on the subject so they could see what they're dealing with, they could start fixing and repairing stuff. They could see into clean an infection. And now they can take light into all the dark corners and cavities of our bodies. My goodness, they can take light in a little scope, stick it in somewhere and ram it around and run it all over the place and find your gallbladder and suck it out or spit it out or whatever they do. They can get light inside all kinds of cavities of our body now. And that, that image of light, and then they can, use, they can use light and focus it down into a beam like a laser and can come down and it can coagulate a, a blood vessel that's bleeding or they can, they can go in there and cut out cancer or crush a kidney stone that's causing you pain. And these images of light, I think, describe the power and the beauty of how God's light also is meant to penetrate down inside to the deepest part of who we really are in the dark places. Not to do some cosmetic surgery on the outside, but some deep soul surgery, laser surgery, laparoscopic, down inside where our heart resides. Look at this scripture from, from John chapter 3, verse 16 and following, as it describes that tension you and I feel. And think about your own life and the kind of surgery that you might need to expose and reveal and invite light to cleanse and purify in your own life. Verse 16 and following is is some of the most often quoted verses in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amazing. Good news. That's Christmas. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Then he says the same thing another way, using the image of light. He says, let me say it again. Here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. I like my crummy little life more than I am afraid I will like what the light is bringing. So everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives 
by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God so the surgeon can get in and do what the surgeon needs to do. Let the light of God's truth come in. When I, when I was in college, I lived with Tom Moen and some other guys. You know Tom, a lot of you, one of our pastors here at the church. And it won't surprise you to know that when we lived together with these college guys in this apartment, not everybody did their dishes every time they ate. Is that a shock to you? Not everybody took out the garbage after they ate their TV dinners. In fact, sometimes I remember going to garage sales just to buy more dishes, and then we just, instead of washing, we just pile them up in the sink with this crust of food on there. You know, it's like, where's that one dish? Well, I used that a month ago. It's down on the bottom, you know, scrape it off, you know, and then. So neither will it be a shock to you to discover that once in a while when we came in at night and flipped on the light, Right? What am I talking about? Cockroaches, baby. Sweetmates. Yeah, the big ones, we named them. Like, hey, Hal, good to see you. Hey, where are you going? And what happened when you flip on the light? Off they go. They don't like the light. Off they go into the, cre- in the crevices and the cracks and in the floorboards and into the cereal boxes. Yeah, it happens. Check it when you get home. And the Bible says that sometimes we behave the same way. It's what the Scripture is just saying. Sometimes we love the darkness so much. What we know in my current state and who I am, even the brokenness, the hard part, I think I'd rather hold on to that than have the risk of God's light and truth come in and heal and save and forgive and purify. And that's why some of us, even right now, are uncomfortable you're running like a cockroach because you'd rather do things your own way. And that's called hiding from God. We don't want, don't want the light of Jesus messing with things. And you're only hurting yourself. Walking in the light changes who you are way down deep in a beautiful and good way if you stop running from it. Think about the images of light and exposure and concealing and revealing. Job 24, verse 13 says, There are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its way or stay in its path. Always afraid Jesus is going to wreck my feeding frenzy, so off I go whenever I see him. Verse 15 says that the eye of the adulterer watches for dusk because they think no one will see me, it's in the dark. Or the thief breaks into a house when at night they don't want anything to do with the light. Daniel, 20, Daniel 2 says he reveals, God reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness. Job 12 says he uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings to light even the deepest gloom. And Psalm 139 says, God, you know everything about me. If I tried to go hide somewhere in a dark place, in a cave, you'd find me. You know everything. And that's a good thing. Psalm 90 says, you spread our sins out before you, even our most secret sins that we think nobody sees because it's in the dark. God sees it all and knows it all. And so we just come, we just come before the Lord, not just to sort of say, let's change a few behaviors to fool some of the people some of the time. What if we just let God Bring his light inside of me to help me change from the inside out, like who I actually am, who you actually are. That's beautiful. 
That's the transformation that will change the data. 2 Corinthians 4 puts it this way. We're talking about God who said, let there be light in darkness. Remember creation? That God, that God has made this light, Jesus, shine in our hearts on the inside so we could know the light of God's glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. God has put his light inside of you. And that's where the work needs to be done. I was talking to a friend this week who reminded me that for over 40 years he lived in darkness, felt trapped there in bondage. He experienced some abuse as a child, some abandonment and neglect, and then he was introduced to pornography as a kid, and that became his go-to strategy to numb pain, to cope, to escape. And it became an addictive part of his life, all in secret, and it shut him down emotionally where he could not really connect in deep ways with God, with his wife or his kids. 40 years. Darkness will do that to you. When we met with him, he said that he was hopeless. He didn't need a change in behavior. He needed to change who he was on the inside. I'm really happy to tell you that three years ago, he took the great risk, what no cockroach wants to do, of stepping into the light toward Jesus and toward some others, children of light, who were able to come alongside him and with some hard work and an incredibly long-suffering and forgiving wife and the love of Jesus and the power of the light of Christ today, three years later, three years Absolutely sober, complete life change, free from bondage and the darkness that held him for so long. Now, I tell you that. You can applaud that. But here's why I tell it to you. I tell it to you because I know there's some folk listening to me, and you're thinking that's awesome for that guy. But my darkness is a little different, and I've got a deeper thing inside of me that I don't think the light could get through to penetrate. My addiction or my pornography or my eating or my habit or my pilling or my gambling or my online relationships or my unhealthy escapes or my stuff, my junk, my problem, my darkness is different. And friend, you are no different than I am and than this friend was. We are the people who have walked in darkness, who now have seen a great light upon whom a great light has dawned. And the Bible says the darkness will not overcome it. It will penetrate wherever there's an open heart. So instead of fearing it, Isaiah says, come. Let's just walk in the light. Let's walk in the light. Let it change what you do. Let it change who you are. You'll be glad. You know, starting in the 17th century, there was uh, a legend that went around to talk about what artisans and sculptors used to do when they made pottery and sculptures, and so occasionally they'd run across defects and cracks in them, like so a bowl would have a big crack in it, so they would secretly take some wax and fill in the crack and then paint over it, sell it, full price. Or a statue with a broken arm, they'd take the wax and glue that thing on and paint over it and sell it. 
Of course, when you got the stuff home, you realize what the deal was. You know, you put some hot liquid in your cup, and it melts the wax, and it's all over everywhere. Or you sit the statue out in the sunshine, and the whole thing, you know, that melts and the arm falls off. So much so that some felt it necessary to say, look, I sell good stuff. And they took those two words, sine, some believe sine means without in the Latin, and sere, wax. Some found it necessary to put a sign up over their wares that literally said, mine is sincere, without wax. And many believe this is where we get the word sincere, which means pure, true, authentic, not fake, without wax, the real deal. And of course, you know the way you test it to find out. Hold it up to the light. Because the light reveals everything. And friends, you're called, I'm called to be sincere like that. People without wax. Genuine and true, where the light has penetrated. True and sincere and pure with each other. With ourselves and with God. When you do that, you come and walk in the light you'll see continual change in how you act because you're seeing continual change in who you are. Let me pray for you. God, we are so thankful for the light of Jesus. And so we invite him here now. We invite you, Lord Jesus, with your bright shining light to come and fill us Send out your light and truth on us. Help us to live like the children of light that you've made us to be. And then change us from the inside out. I pray for someone who needs the healing light of Jesus to come to some dark place of hurt inside where there was abuse or struggle or fear. I pray for someone who needs the healing light of Jesus to correct a lie that they believe about themselves way down deep inside in dark corners where they tell themselves they're worthless. Bring your light to break through with love. For the one who needs to be forgiven for something they did or failed to do, may your healing light go there. For some who have some secret shameful corner that needs purification that we cannot bring on ourselves. Send your light. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.